From Toronto, Canada, The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome to the Audio Imaginarium. Come on in, weary traveler. Hang your cloak on a peg, grab a stool, and come gather around the fire. There are stories to be told, and you are among friends. You certainly are. Uh, Nick Redfern is standing by to talk about Slender Man. Uh, and is it possible this Internet urban legend, and that's how it started out, is it possible an urban legend could actually come to life? A second hour. Owls. I love owls. Uh, but is there a, a connection between owls and UFO encounters? Mike Cleland has uh, collected a wealth of first-hand accounts in which owls manifest in the highly charged moments that surround alien contact. And uh, he'll be here to tell us about that, as I say, in the second hour. So let me introduce the lads on the other side of the glass, playing the Flying Fee V uh, Gibson guitar. My technical producer, Ian Robertson. And, uh, Ian, when are you off to, uh, Las Vegas to gig with Jerry Lee Lewis again? Uh, April. April. Yeah. All right. Uh, You're going to send lots weekend? of pictures, right? Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. How exciting for you. Yeah, the killer. I'll say. Yeah. Now, he must be in his early 80s. Yeah, I think he's 82. 82? Right. I think last but time I checked, yeah. Still full of piss and vinegar. Yeah, I'm sure. I, saw, I saw a video of him playing in December. You can still play, you can still wiggle. <laughs> <laughs> the killer. Good for you. Uh, my fine rockabilly friend. All right. And uh, here in studio with me on the Rickenbacker bass guitar and occasionally the theremin, story producer Albert Vinzel, and also in studio on the Hammond B3, my YouTube live stream producer, Ryan White. All right. So it's the dead of night and you are fast asleep. Suddenly you're wide awake but unable to move, hunched over you. In the shadows is an eight or nine foot tall gaunt entity with spider thin limbs dressed in an old black suit, a pale face, missing eyes, nose, ears and mouth. You finally manage to cry out and then this monstrous thing disappears as suddenly as it appeared. You just had a terrifying encounter with the slender man. But who or what is the Slender Man? We're going to find out over the next 40 minutes or so. Nick Redfern works full-time as a writer, lecturer, journalist. He writes about a wide range of unsolved mysteries, including Bigfoot, UFOs, the Loch Ness Monster, alien encounters, and government conspiracies. Nick has written over 33 books. I think this is uh, dated. I think he's closer to 40. We'll find out. Including Men in Black, uh, The Zombie Book, For Nobody's Eyes Only, Final Events, Secret History, Monster Files, uh, The World's Weirdest Places, The Pyramids in the Pentagon, uh, Chubacabra Road Trip. Uh, he also writes for uh, the MUFON UFO Journal and Mysterious Universe. He's appeared on numerous uh, television shows, including Fox News, the History Channel's Ancient Aliens, Monster Quest, UFO Hunters. My word, we could just spend the whole show just reviewing his uh, his CV. Um, and his latest is The Slender Man Mysteries, an Internet urban legend comes to life. Nick Redfern, welcome back to The Conspiracy Show. You are a busy man. Hey, Richard. Thanks for having me on again. My pleasure. So explain um, how it is that this Slender Man uh, character, which is, from what I understand, it was it was was it a creation of an internet online contest? Yes, it was. It basically began in uh, June 2009, 
um, with a website called Something Awful. And they opened this contest for people who uh, could come up. You, you're invited to sort of come up with the the creepiest, weirdest, weirdest um, creature, if you like, or character for the Internet era. And so you had a lot of people who were submitting ideas and artwork and stories uh, to try and come up, you know, with kind of like a, an Internet version of um, Michael Myers or Freddy Krueger, that kind of thing. Right. And one of the people who entered this contest, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, was a guy who essentially um, was the man who created the, the Slender Man. His name was Eric Knudsen. And he created this imagery of this tall, sort of humanoid figure, as you mentioned in the introduction, in a black suit, a white shirt, skinny black tie, these long, elongated arms that come down to its knees, and a totally faceless face, no eyes, no nose, no mouth, no ears, just vague shadows where they should be. And these sort of strange, flickering um, tentacles coming out of its back. And he placed the Slender Man in the environment of uh, like forests and woods, that kind of thing. And so it was a really, really creepy looking entity. And for reasons that we still don't really know, the Slender Man image that Eric Knudsen created was the one which people really kind of gravitated to and resonated with, uh, to the point where literally within weeks there were forums, chat rooms, websites, blogs, Wikipedia pages, even an online um, show on, on YouTube called Marble Hornets, which was kind of like a found footage fictional series, which had a tr tremendous organ, um, audience in terms of size. And so what you had was this situation where, as I said, literally weeks after the Slenderman phenomenon became the number one entity in this contest, you had tens of thousands of kids and teenagers all fixating on the Slenderman issue. Now, that, it stayed like that for three or four months. And then after that period, something very strange started to happen. And that was when people claimed to have seen the Slender Man, not on you know, TV shows, documentaries, not talking about it in forums or chat rooms, etc., but literally seeing the Slender Man, um, perhaps in, like, in their bedroom, like you mentioned at the beginning, or they would feel compelled to get up in the middle of the night and look out the window, and they would see the Slender Man peering up the, against them. And so, in other words, um, it was as if the, uh, or the theory is that if enough people believe in something, sort of the collective mindset, like the hive mind, um, can focus on something, the potential is there to bring it to life, albeit in a very strange way. You call that a tulpa? Yes, a tulpa or a thought form. Those are the alternative terms to use. Is there a, I'm sure psychologists would mm. explain this away, and I know there have been incidents, for example, I'm trying to remember the, there was an experiment where someone reported that a, uh, I think it was a panda bear or something had escaped from a zoo. It hadn't. They just, they put this story out there. And then all of a sudden people started calling in, claiming they had seen a panda in their backyard. It may not have been a panda, but that's the mm. idea. And so I'm wondering if if there could be a more prosaic explanation for this rather than this being a total. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, I talk about it, this in the book because there's several different aspects, really. I mean, 
you know, there's no doubt that um, sort of mass hysteria, you know, is a real phenomenon. I mean, one person claims to have seen this or that, and before you know it, everybody's seeing it. That does happen. There's no doubt about that at all. Um, and I wouldn't be at all surprised if some of the Slenderman um, cases did fall into that particular category. You know, somebody may have, who's really followed the Slenderman story, and then just happened to see a tall guy who just happens to be wearing a black suit, you know, and you take two and two and you make 22 instead of four, you know. Right, right. I'm sure that does happen. This gentleman... What I find particularly intriguing Mm -hmm. are the deep parallels where people have these experiences in the bedroom, in the woods, outside of the window, and, you know, for the witness, it's all too real. You know, it doesn't seem like a dream. It doesn't seem like, um, you know, just... uh, fantasizing or anything like that or mistaken identity they genuinely feel they've seen the slender man now this angle of thought forms goes back a long way and its traditions are most strongest in tibet um and the word tolpa is um is a tibetan word which the best way to to translate it into english is the term thought form and the idea the concept in sort of simple quick terms is that um, essentially, the power of the human mind um, has the ability to essentially project something that is inward, in other words, something that's relative to the human imagination, and then externalize it outside of the mind. Now, if you have, and the theory goes from there, if you have tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of people focusing on this, and bear in mind that if you go to Google and do a search just on that one word, Slenderman. There are more than seven million results. Yes, that shows you, you know, how how much this has a following. Um, and so, basically, the theory is: if you have so many people focusing on the image of the Slenderman, it suddenly becomes externalized, where it's not so much like a physical entity; it's more sort of a phantom type entity, if you like, um, and but which has all the attributes of the fictional creation purely and simply because so many people have that imagery in their mind, they're dreaming about it, thinking about it, right. drawing pictures of it, you know, printing artwork off and plastering it all around their bedroom. Yes. And, and then suddenly you have this crossover where you have the thought form and the stronger it gets and the stronger the belief in it, it becomes more and more self-aware to ultimately when it becomes... Um, if you like a, an intelligent version of something that actually was the creation of the world of fiction. Now, what's curious to me, um, almost sinister. I mean, the, the Slender Man the, is certainly sinister, but just sort of stepping behind the curtain. And and this gentleman that created the, it for this online contest in 2009 was it Eric Knudsen? Did you say his name was? Yes, Eric Knudsen. Yeah. What do we know about this fellow? I tell you why I ask. Uh, you know how difficult it is to get something to, to, to go viral. I mean, if we knew, we'd all be millionaires in this YouTube world. Uh, and my suspicion is whenever something does go viral, and I uh, granted I'm, I'm a bit paranoid and conspiratorial, but I always say there's got to be a machine behind it. Let's say, for, for example, the Beatles. Just four lads, they were grinding it out in, 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 the, in the bars, in the Cavern Club, and over in Hamburg. Let's be honest. I mean, this may not sit well with a lot of Beatles fans. There was nothing real special about them until the machine got behind them. Do you know what I'm saying, Nick? 
What do you think? I mean, is there is is there something else? Well, I've not seen there? any evidence. I mean, as far as I know, Eric Knudsen was just one, like numerous people, literally numerous people, who uploaded their artwork of you know of whatever it was they wanted to upload. You know, their particular mm-hmm. monster or creature of choice. Um, he just he was one of the people who did that. Now, I think one of the important things to note is that it you know it it, it was basically. The, the reason it took off was due to kids and teenagers thinking, wow, this looks really cool, you know. Um, forget Freddy Krueger and everything, you know, and Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers, you know, thinking about that's what my mom and dad watched or whatever. Right. These, the kids are thinking, we've now got an equivalent. All right, listen, um, Nick, i got to jump in here. We'll take a quick so time out. I think, I think, I don't personally think there's anything behind it other than just the fact that it was a contest because, um... You know, it, it's, although it has a large following, I mean, compared to the size of the planet and the world's population, True. you know, it's like a grain of sand. Okay, we got to uh, take a quick time out. We'll come back, continue to delve into this urban legend that may have become manifest. Nick Redfern on The Conspiracy Show. Don't go away. This is no place for the naive or the faint-hearted. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back. Nick Redfern is here. His latest is The Slenderman Mysteries, an internet urban legend come to life. And he started out as a, um, or it, started out as a fictional character submitted in 2009 as part of an online contest, and it went viral. And now the question is, has this internet urban legend become a tulpa, which is, well, the idea behind it is a thought form when sort of magnified, I think Nick used the term, uh, the hive mind, literally millions of people focusing on this Slender Man character, it becomes manifest. Now, one of these games is called Slender. What's the basis behind it? What can you tell me about this game, Slender? Well, it's basically, you know, the premise that you get in the real world is, you know, the Slender Man is this predatory, dangerous character, and you don't have to do your utmost to... Uh, to fight it off, you know, to destroy it, to get away from it. Um, you know, it's it's not too dissimilar to, you know, a lot of um, um, computer games where, you know, you're taking on a hostile entity and you, you know, you've got to do what you have to do to sort of save your life. So it is it's basically, you know, the, the kind of thing that would sort of attract, you know, kids, teenagers because of the the kind of, you know, the excitement sort of roller coaster ride aspect of it. But, um but that you know that another example of it how it's sort of become ingrained in um you know uh, teenage society so to speak and it is primarily young kids and teenagers that are sort of into this and um there are adults but certainly you know it's not as many right um by, well, geek, by it, any means at all if this is a um, tulpa so, if this is a tulpa the the fact that now people are playing this game slender it, it, mm-hmm. is is that simply adding to its power well, I think anything really that's related to the Slender Man, if it is externalized and becomes a thought form, then I think anything relative to the Slender Man phenomenon in fiction or other or any kind of uh, medium, I think has the ability to add more strength to it. And, um, and I think that it isn't um, a coincidence uh, the fact that we are seeing more and more reports. I mean, I'll give you an example. I gave a, spoke at a conference yesterday, um, about 50 miles from Dallas, Texas, where I live. 
and um, I got three stories from people who said they'd seen the Slender Man. One was in the sort of the classic case of lying in bed and seeing it looming over them. One claimed to have seen like a, a line of three of them, um, literally sort of walking through a field late one night. But this was back in the 1980s before the Slender Man was officially created and sort of this gets us involved in things like ancient archetypes because throughout a lot of ancient cultures you can find similar things to the Slender Man. So it's almost like, yes, Eric Knudsen created it, but was he inspired perhaps subconsciously by some sort of ancient archetype, if you like. So uh, there's a lot of weird stuff and it's still, it's actually growing. You know, it, it, it's not going away like a lot of internet fads often do. You right. know, um, this one's still on the rise, so to speak. Well, the the most, um, I don't want to use the word celebrated case, but the most, um, the case that's gained the most notoriety with relation t- uh, to Slender Man is the, the uh, two Wisconsin girls mm. uh, who tried to murder one of their friends. Yeah. Uh, and I believe one of them was just sentenced to 40, was it 25 or 40 years in a, in a mental hospital? Uh, yeah, yeah, this is this is an important case. The main reason being, although as I said, the Slenderman phenomenon has a has a huge following. I mean, the fact is that the vast majority of people haven't heard of it, uh, even though you know hundreds of thousands have. Um, but what the what the attack by the two girls did was to reveal the Slenderman, if you like, to the mainstream world. You know, people picked up newspapers or you know checked. Uh, the, you know, the news on their laptop or, you know, they're on their iPhone and saw, you know, girls attack, girl, um, in Slenderman attack, that kind of thing. People are saying, what on earth is a Slenderman? So, you know, it did open it up to more and more people. But this is certainly, without doubt, the most disturbing aspect of the whole phenomenon. And what happened, um, essentially, is that on, the, uh, on May the 31st, 2014, you had two girls, Anissa Weir and Morgan Geezer, and they attacked a friend of theirs, Peyton Lutner, um, all 12 years old, all went to the same school, were friends together. And the night before the attack, um, one of the girls had a birthday, you know, they had like a sleepover slumber party, and everything was fine. Next day, they all had breakfast together, and then the two girls who initiated the attack um, suggested they all go down to the local park and why don't we go into the wooded area of the park, which is what they did. And the two girls then uh, attacked Peyton Lutner, or the one girl, I should say, attacked Peyton Lutner while the other one looked on. And she was stabbed 19 times. And it's, you know, it's almost a miracle that she didn't die because several of the stab wounds came sort of perilously close to major arteries and organs, which, you know, could have proved fatal. Um... They then, the two girls then fled the area because they assumed she was going to die. But luckily, a passing uh, cyclist saw her and, you know, the emergency services uh, were soon, ambulance, you know, soon on the scene. But the two girls quite literally sort of hit the road. Their plan, as they believed, was to go to a nearby forest where they believed the Slender Man had this sort of creepy mansion and they were going to live with him. Now, if you watch some of the footage which are now available of the police interviews um, with the two girls. It's clear, you know, they weren't working on a ploy to, you know, commit murder and claim, and say, you know, have a verdict of, well, you know, they won't spend much time, 
you know, behind bars or whatever because it's mental illness. They really, you could tell you like that, it wasn't a ploy at all. Uh, they really did fully believe in the existence of the Slender Man and they felt that by sacrificing essentially their friend or former friend, obviously, in their own words, the Slender Man's proxy. And, um, and as you said, just a couple of months ago, we got the verdict, and both, although they won't be in prison, um, you know, it was viewed as sort of, um, you know, like a mental delusion, so to speak. And, but they will be, you know, sort of out of society uh, for 30, 40 years. You know, they'll be well into middle age before they're released back into society. Um, and now, of course, you know, the, the conventional angle to all this is that the girls just got so obsessed with all this and, you know, they blurred the lines between faction, excuse me, between fiction and fact so terribly and in just about the worst way possible. And, you know, as I said, that is a conventional explanation. But what's really weird is that there have been pre-existing reports um, of Slenderman-type things seen in the woods only a couple of miles from where the attack occurred in 2014. I'll give you an example. One of the people... I interviewed for the book was a guy named Mike Huberty and Mike is someone who um, he saw a slender man type thing like a tall dark shadowy thing skinny about seven feet high in the woods just about two to three miles from where the girls initiated the attack now the girls attack was 2014 Mike's sighting was 1994 and there are several other cases, one which goes back to 1921, which has very similar overtones attached to it as well. Mm. So, you know, when you look at it deeper, you find a lot of weirdness surrounding the killings that, you know, obviously did not become part of the court case, which, which it wouldn't anyway, because, I mean, right. it's not the court's place to sort of debate on the nature of the world of the supernatural or not, and so no. it goes for the police. But the fact is, those stories pre-existed the attacks. And the, the case from the 1920s, and then the one from 1994, obviously more contemporary, mm. how closely did the description of this entity fit with Eric Knudsen's creation, The Slender Man? Oh, well, the one in 1921 um, was described as a tall, thin man in a black suit, which, I guess... You know, you don't get much closer than that. Um, and how did you uncover the that account? one in 1994 with Mike, um, he described it as like about seven feet tall, very thin, uh, long arms, and lurking in the woods. And that pretty much, you know, mm. um, details the Slender Man. I mean, all the imagery that was created initially, like Eric Knudsen and people who copied him, all showed him in not just in the black outfit and tall, but in the woods. That's one of the one of the primary aspects of it is that the slender man sort of lurks and lives in the woods. Right. How did you uncover the, again the eyewitness sighting in the 1920s? Was that in a paper? Yes, it actually was. What I did, I just did research in the area because I've often found that if you have one weird story in one particular area, very often you'll find other stories, you know, sometimes you have places that become like supernatural hotspots. So I just did a bunch of research on the town, well the city, is it's called the city of Waukesha in Wisconsin. It's actually, it's not a big city, it's a small city, it's, um, it's a suburb of Milwaukee. And so I did a bunch of research on uh, Waukesha 
and I'm signed up to you know a couple of these websites where you can gain access to old newspapers and that kind of thing. And um, and I found the story. And um, the boy who was killed, he was never identified, um, and he, he was buried, you know, as an unknown grave. Um, but there was a big police investigation, and um, uh, and it was never resolved. But um, you know, it was one of those tragic cases. But the two that I mentioned, Mike's and the 1921, that's the sort of, that and the 2014 attack. That's just three examples of what actually amounts to like seven or eight. So there's um, you know a lot of lot of weirdness in that area. Right. Now, aside from this uh, this case in Milwaukee in 2014, are there other recent contemporary uh, accounts of? People attacking other people in order to gain favor with the Slender Man? I mean, all we hear about is this uh, Wisconsin yeah, case. Yeah, well, there's actually several cases. I mean, just, uh, I mean, literally just a couple of weeks um, after the, the Slender Man attacks <clears throat> in, um, in Waukesha, there were various other attacks as well, which uh, were eerily in, and sort of inextricably sort of connected to the whole. Um, Slenderman phenomenon. One of them, um, this was just one week after the attacks in Waukesha. Uh, this occurred in Hamilton County, Ohio, and uh, a 13 year old girl um, attacked her mother. And, um, and she was, at the time, she was wearing a hoodie and like a, a deathly pale mask, the girl. And um, she actually said to her mother, I've been waiting for you, and then lunged out. Oh, with an attack and luckily you know a mother survived but it turns out when the police looked into it that she was obsessed uh, with the slender man um that's just one example uh, certainly without doubt the most graphic and and tragic one um occurred in june 2014 on june the 8th and this involved a, a married couple jared and amanda miller and they went on a shooting spree in las vegas killed two police officers, one man in a Walmart, and they were obsessed with the Slender Man as well, to the point where they would go to costume parties, um, he'd be dressed as the Slender Man, and he, had, he was also obsessed with the Joker character from Batman, mm -hmm. and they, I mean, they were really into the whole Slender Man thing, you know, games, cosplay, um, online shows, that kind of artwork, that kind of thing. And what, what you find, in a very strange way, is what I call on the, on the back cover of the book, The Slender Man Sickness, where you find when people get obsessed with it, it always becomes a bad obsession. You know, whether there's a, there's a shooting spree, there's a stabbing, there's an attack on a family member. There's never a positive angle to this at all. Um, and for reasons we don't know, this obsession happens a lot. And it gets violent and sometimes deadly and occasionally fatal as well. Well, I mean, there are so many characters and villains in comic books and on in the movies and so forth. And we don't see people latching on to certain characters and then trying to sacrifice in that character's name. What is it about this one in particular? That's actually a really good point you bring up because, you know, if it was, you know, famous comic book characters or you know, novel characters that people were doing it in the name of this superhero or that supervillain or whatever, then you could say, well, it's just happening all over the place. Uh, but it actually isn't. What's happening is that primarily it's all surrounding this 
particular character, the Slender Man. And there's also another one in Native American law that's known as Walking Sam, who is like a, a dark-suited figure with a, with a large hat. And just uh, not long after the, uh, the Slender Man attacks in Walkershire, there was um, a spate of suicides and uh, near suicides on a one particular Native American um, reservation, that's the word. <laughs> and so, you know, you have these attacks and uh, it's almost as if there's something about the Slender Man phenomenon which somehow affects people. It affects their character, it affects their minds and common sense just goes out of the window, you know, and it's, um, it's almost like they're driven, you know, their mind changed and they're driven to do, right. you know, as I said, the worst thing possible. Just right. About. Yeah, this is, there's something very sinister, obviously, going on, but more than just some prosaic explanation of, you know, mentally unstable people becoming obsessed with something. There's something else afoot, I suspect, and I know you do too, Nick. Back with more of my conversation with Nick Redfern as we continue to delve into Slender Man, right here on The Conspiracy Show. If you're sure your phone isn't tapped, call now, 416-360-0740, or toll-free at 1-866-740-4740. Welcome back. Nick Redfern stays with us. The book is The Slender Man Mysteries, An Internet Urban Legend Comes to Life. Uh, you had mentioned... Uh, some other sort of examples of of uh, this, um, and I'm thinking of Spring Hill. Was it Spring Hill Jack? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And the Hat Man, mm -hmm. uh, and and Shadow People. I mean, is there a common denominator here? Do you think, or are all the, are these like sort of separate silos? No, I actually don't think they are um, separate, Richard. I think what we're looking at is so is kind of like an archetypal imagery like sort of a you know a sinister figure in a black suit it kind of resonates with us you know if you if you go back to like the fifth late 40s and 50s you know when things like film noir was really popular i mean that's just exactly the same kind of thing you know sort of a private detective in his black suit and his fedora hat sort of you know walking through a foggy street that kind of thing um but yeah i mean you have you have the Slender Man, as you said, the Shadow People. You have a, a subgroup within the Shadow People called the Hat Man. Um, you know, the, the Men in Black, which, you know, nothing like the movie versions. The Men in Black, the real ones, are sort of described as pale and, you know, odd-looking and menacing. Um, even, I think, things like the Black-Eyed Children could be connected. You know, they, they're pale, they, you know, skinny, they wear black hoodies. Um, I think all of these things, these sort of strange, sinister characters in black outfits and sort of menacing appearances, I think all of it is kind of embedded in our psyche, um, you know, almost perhaps like an inherited memory and perhaps goes back thousands of years. And like I said, you can find, you know, stories similar to The Slender Man. I mean, one incorporated into a very famous um, folktale, uh, that of the Pied Piper, Piper of Hamelin, um, the story of this tall, skinny figure who had this sort of supernatural flute that could hypnotize children. And in the story, uh, the kids are taken away into the woods um, and then into like a portal 
uh, entrance to a, a mountain and the kids are never seen again. But in the story, you know, he's described as this um, tall, skinny, odd-looking figure and he can entrance children and um, tragedy and death occurs. Eyewitnesses, obviously they're not all going on some sort of a stabbing rampage, thank God. Mm-hmm. But what else do we know about Slenderman, supposedly? Does he talk? What else do we know about him? Well, yeah, that's a good question. I mean, for the most part, people don't talk about actually hearing the Slenderman say anything at all. But one of the stories I've got in the book, which is a really sort of weird and creepy story, involves a, a woman named, or a young girl named Lacey. And um, when I interviewed her, she was a trainee uh, flight attendant. She's now uh, a full flight attendant. And in her um, late teens, she was someone who, like a lot of people, got obsessed with the Slender Man mystery. And she did a lot of her research online, and that included sort of reading all the fictional stories that people were posting online, you know, spending hours um you know, sort of um, in chat rooms and forums and that kind of thing and watching the Marble Hornets found uh, footage show. And really, by her own admission, she did get obsessed with it. Now, bear in mind that a lot of her work and research was done on the Internet. Um, She told me how on three occasions, uh, the first occasion, um, as she put her laptop into sleep mode, it suddenly fired up again. And she said very briefly for like half a second, but it was still enough for her eye to register, there was like an image of the Slender Man on the screen. And then on the second occasion, which I think was a couple of weeks after, um, she saw an image like of the face, the faceless face. And then on the third occasion, uh, she heard this sort of gravelly voice say, we're friends now. And that totally freaked her out to the point where she literally dumped all of her material um she just threw it in the garbage all the you know the pictures she'd uh, printed off and put in frames in her in her uh, in her living room or wherever and um and she actually had a copy of a previous book written by a friend of mine uh, robin swope and the book's called um slender man from fiction to fact and she was so frightened uh, lacy was so frightened she actually burned her copy of robin's book that's how traumatized she was by this um case and, and this is probably one of the, it's actually one of the few the very few i've got where the slender man is re- reputedly heard to speak but in her case it was sort of through the laptop and you know i said well is it you know could it have been a friend you know or, or someone who had, had hacked into you you know just to try and terrify you sending you messages or whatever and taking over your laptop and she she didn't believe that was the case at all and there were a few other weird sort of more paranormal things that happened to her but oddly and intriguingly she didn't want to expand on that so i never found out actually what they were but she was someone again who was massively traumatized by it and there are a few other occasions where people have heard the slender man um say something to them and it often usually is something like we're friends now or you know um we're together that kind of thing it's all based around the slender man saying you're with me now that kind of thing well in the case of the these uh, two uh, girls in wisconsin they thought they were actually going to perform this sacrifice win his favor and go off and live happily ever after you know they must have had some sort of 
dialogue with this specter or whether it's in their own imagination, which, you know, I think most rational minds would say, well, that's got to be what was going on, except there were two of them. It wasn't just, you know, one. It's not like Son of Sam hearing a voice in his head. There were two of them. Uh, anyway, we'll uh, continue to delve into this uh, most sinister uh, entity, the Slender Man. Nick Redfern stays with us for a few moments yet. Back with more of The Conspiracy Show. My name is Richard Serrett. Don't go away. You want the truth? You can handle the truth. The Conspiracy Show with Richard Serrett. Welcome back to The Slender Man Mysteries. I think one thing that uh, is important, you know, and this is what we're talking, is, is, is speculation and the idea of tulpas and whether or not it is possible for an Internet creation to become manifest because of this um, focusing on it and, you know, millions of people focusing on it, and this is the idea behind a tulpa. Now, in Tibetan lore, I mean, these Buddhist monks, it would only take a handful of them, right, to manifest some entity, right? Yeah, there's sort of two um, kinds of schools of thought, Richard. One is that, you know, if you're very adept at this and you know how to do it and you have the ability to get your mind into almost like an altered state and focus on it, that possibly one person or, as you said, a handful can achieve this very quickly. If you're not aware of it or how to do it, then but you're, you're fully believing in something um, and so are hundreds of thousands of other people, then you don't necessarily have to be someone who's skilled at it. It's just the sheer mind power, the collective power that's sort of, you know, almost like a in wavelengths, you know, spreading across the planet, so to speak. If you're adept enough to, um, you know, focus to a degree at least um, in that you believe in the phenomenon, in many respects, that's the most important thing of all is not whether you can really you're really adept at doing it or you're new to it or you're completely oblivious of it but if you really do actually think wow this creature might really be real that kind of tips the scales as far as the theory is concerned in terms of you know when you start to believe in it then everything kind of speeds up then right the point I was going to make, and then I completely dropped it, was that um, <laughs> I want to be careful that we don't excuse the behavior of these people that are committing these acts and simply say, well, they were being possessed yeah. or this was a supernatural force. I mean, because, I, you know, I think to be fair, we have to obviously hold out the possibility that these young girls mm. were simply, they may have been mentally disturbed or they may have simply been acting in a, you know, just a, listen, we're living in a death culture. And people do things without any plausible explanation. They just do it maybe because they're bored. I mean, that's where we've arrived at in society at this yeah. point, right? I mean, the banality of evil, as they say. However, I think it's also worth discussing this idea of a tulpa, the, the idea of a thought form becoming manifest. Where is Eric Knudsen now in all of this? I mean, he must just feel terrible. Well, when the attack occurred in Walkershire, or after it, I should say, Eric Knudsen did actually, you know, say he was extremely sorry to hear about what had happened. You know, I mean, it was it was terrible news. But you're right. I don't think, you know, we should be laying blame on anyone other than the people who perpetrated these attacks. You know, um, you know, I, I, I mean, I'm sure, you know, Eric Knudsen, the fact that he felt, you know, he, he wanted to make a statement 
it was obviously sort of playing on his mind. But, um, you know, I think um, it's like any creation. You know, you, you cannot you cannot blame um, somebody who creates an image for the Internet. You can't blame them at all for the actions of somebody who may be mentally ill. You know, I mean, um, that's not their fault. That's the fault of the person who has an illness, a sickness, or whatever. Um, so I think, you know, it's a very delicate situation where I do honestly believe that there, you know, there is like a thought form angle to it. But sometimes mental illness is just mental illness and nothing else. And I think it's important to recognize that and not say, oh, well, these people, you know, they, they're not responsible because something supernatural's got into their mind. And so, you know, they can, they can just walk. You know, right. you know that that's where the again it becomes sort of a very controversial issue, and so um, you know there's a, there's a lot to think about if this phenomenon you know continues to grow. Well, I think the point is, yeah, whether it's uh, supernatural or whether it more likely there is a more prosaic explanation. The fact is, the Slender Man phenomena is here. How do, you know? And and now, what do we do about it? Uh, for example, this mm. this game Slender. I mean. If if parents knew that their their children were playing this game, uh, you know, I think they they'd be they'd be understandably upset. Uh, well, so. yeah, and I mean to add to that, uh, just a couple of months from now, there's a major Hollywood movie coming out on the Slender Man as well. Um, you know, so it's definitely still growing. But um, but no, you're right. Things like that, you know, and, and particularly games, things like that. I mean, it, it all kind of amplifies it now when you said what you know can be done about it well the again the theory in buddhist teachings in tibet is that the best way to try and and destroy if you like the thought form is to essentially not think about it or to try and focus your mind on deconstructing it or disintegrating it but of course it's not that easy to do and on top of that it's not easy to stop thinking about something. You know, one of the theories is that the, the thought form derives its strength, if you like, from the, the sheer level of belief in it. So if the belief goes away and the people forget about it, it starts to fragment. But, you know, with such what is now a, a sinister, sort of uh, iconic, in the wrong way, but iconic kind of entity, but like I said, sinister and notorious, which has so much visual power to its appearance, it really is difficult, I think, for, you know, these hundreds of thousands of people, or whatever the figure is now, to just switch the light off and, and forget about it. Like I said, it's not at all easy to do, and I think that's... And when you have something else coming out and something else coming out, then when it's consistently in the public eye, then... It's going to continue to exist. Right. Yeah. It's like saying, stop thinking about pink elephants. You can't exactly. do it. Exactly. <laughs> but it also says, again, I mentioned this earlier, a great deal about our culture today, and that is that young people would be, in some cases, worshipping this character and getting all hyped up about the idea of, you know, sacrificing to this character. You know, whether it's a topa or whether it is just simply an online internet character, totally fiction. It says so much about the culture. To me, that's perhaps the most disturbing part of all, 
is that people, young people, would be so bored and so obsessed with death that they would embrace a character like this. Well, I mean, kind of connected to this is you, you see in some of these cases of the attacks where, you know, the, the attacker resonates with the Slender Man. It almost becomes like Stockholm Syndrome where, you know, you have somebody who is kidnapped and they start to um, sort of resonate with the, with, the, with the kidnappers, you know, and um, things like that happen quite often, um, you know, when, when you have someone who, you know, has been taken against their will and they're with them for, say, a month, you know, and, um, and then they start to empathize with them. And, um, and, and, it, and it is a very strange situation. And I think there's a degree of that in relation to the Slender Man that, you know, perhaps you've got kids in some cases, I don't mean all, but in some perhaps where, you know, not like when we were kids, you know, when you'd be riding your bike around town till sunset, you know. Um, back today, you have kids who are sort of more isolated, just sitting in the bedroom with, you know, either their laptop, uh, just give them their laptop, their iPad, their iPhone or whatever. And, you know, just seeing the latest news on the Slender Man and just sitting alone in the bedroom after dinner or whatever. Um, and they latch onto it. You know, it becomes, it becomes their thing. And in a strange way, it may also be kind of like, um, their very own equivalent of something, you know, vaguely like Stockholm Syndrome. Hmm. Uh, yeah, very disturbing. So, uh, you know, let's say this Hollywood movie never came out. Mm. Um, do you think that eventually the, um, the energy, whatever is feeding the, into this whole phenomenon, would just simply go away? Or do you think this thing uh, has, unfortunately, has legs? Well, uh, it, well, all I can say for sure right now, it has legs. You know, I mean, since the book came out, which was just like a month ago, I mean, I've got dozens and dozens of stories um, of people who claim to have seen it. And I've got four or five stories of people who said, uh, you know, parents who said, you know, they didn't just, didn't like the fact that this, their kids were getting into this and put a stop to it. So I think, you know, it's all dependent on on circumstances more than anything else. I mean, um, it could come to an end. You know, I mean, fads and, and, you know, things like that do end. You know, they start and they end. Um, and you see things from pre previous eras that really caught everybody's attention and today nobody cares about them. I mean... Look at things like Rubik cubes. Everybody had to have one, you know. Right. I mean, this is nothing to do with thought forms, but you know that's how our mind works. Something new comes out, and you've got to have it. Um, and so uh, there is a chance it could go away, but as long as it's got that huge following, then I don't see that happening. I mean, be, you know, big purely because it does have that that big following. Well, I have to say. Um, uh in a way, you know, shame on Hollywood, you know, for sort of just feeding into this thing. I mean, do you, let me ask yeah. you, and in, in, in all frankness, I mean, did you have any reservations about even writing about this? Sometimes, you know... Oh, yeah, I did. And, yeah. I mean, this was actually something that we went through with the uh, publisher quite a lot as to, you know, you don't... I mean, I don't sensationalize things, particularly with the story of the girls. I just tell the story in the same way that it would be written in, say... 
you know, half a dozen newspapers in in um, in Wisconsin where the attack happened, and in the same way that you know um, MSNBC and and you know CNN covered the story, I did it from sort of a journalistic approach um, because it is a delicate issue. I mean, yeah, there's absolutely. no doubt about that. And when you're talking about people's lives and deaths and um, almost being killed, I mean, you have to tread carefully and do it in a responsible way. Otherwise, you know, it it becomes just like some tabloid sensationalism, which absolutely, is not, definitely absolutely. not the way to go. So, you know, I, I just try to follow the story, tell the story, and then demonstrate these legitimately weird aspects, you know, like these pre-attacks and pre-sightings in Waukesha, and, and demonstrate to people why, you know, numerous people do believe the thought form angle and present similar cases to, uh, you know, suggest that this, this is a legitimate, you know, paranormal phenomenon. All right, um, Nick, unfortunately, we um, we got to run, but I want to uh, let people know the Slenderman Mysteries, an Internet urban legend comes to life, uh, available, and uh, sort of use this, I guess, as a warning and keep your kids away from this nonsense. Not the book, I'm talking about, uh, <laughs> you know, Slender the Game and and, uh, and so forth. Thank you again, yeah, Nick. Appreci- have to be careful. Yeah. Appreciate it. Thank you. UFOs and owls when the conspiracy show continues right after this.